If you brought your Bible with you this morning, I want to encourage you to turn to the letter of 1 Corinthians in the New Testament, authored by the Apostle Paul, the letter of 1 Corinthians, and I'm going to begin reading there in just a moment at verse 17. The title of this morning's message is The Messenger's Task. The Messenger's Task, and this is part of a series of messages that we have called The God Who Sins. And we have looked at the different ways in which when God gets ready to act, when God gets ready to do anything in the world, typically in the Bible, he sends someone to represent him, to act, to speak on his behalf. And so as we've considered that as Christians, those of us that know Jesus, we have been exploring how God wants to use us. And today we are bringing it down to its most basic form, And that is the New Testament understanding of being sent and what's involved with that. What is my task? If God is sending me, whether it's to talk to an individual, my neighbor, or someone in my family, or if God is sending me around the world, whatever the case may be, when God sends me, what is my task? And so in its most basic form, that's what we're considering today. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I want to begin reading in verse 10. And this is what Paul writes, inspired by God. He says, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind, And in the same judgment. And by the way, if you know Jesus, Jesus lives in you. And because of that, you are united with every other Christian on the planet. You are united with every other Christian who's ever lived. And that union that you and I have in Christ is what he's referring here when he says that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind. He's not talking about your mind or my mind. He's talking about the mind of Christ united in his mind, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, that's Peter, or I am of Christ. They had the best answer of all. Is Christ divided, he says. Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, lest anyone should say that I had baptized in my own name. Yes, and he remembers another one. I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Besides, I do not know whether I baptized any other. It really wasn't that important to him. For Christ did not send me to baptize but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. So the Apostle Paul is writing to a church that's deeply conflicted. And in those first 10 verses, we started at verse 10, but in the first 10 verses, he mentions the name of Jesus 10 times. It's as if he's bringing their attention back to the main thing, the most important thing. 
The church is dividing over, in this case, preachers' personalities and the giftedness of these different preachers. And so they were so focused on it. And, and you can imagine how important this was to them. The New Testament, as we know it today, was not yet formed. I mean, this letter was being written. It becomes part of the New Testament. And so when someone is preaching the gospel, teaching you the scripture, teaching you Bible truth, it would be very easy to respond to the one who is most gifted and that you are learning the most from. And that's what they were doing. I am of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, and then the super spiritual crowd said, well, we're of Jesus. And, and so they were divided over those personalities. They were focused on the messenger and not on the message. Why is that a problem? When we focus on the messenger instead of the message. Well, the first part of it is that we de-emphasize the message. And we're going to talk about that. That's the bulk of what we're going to talk about this morning, is we de-emphasize the message when we focus on the messenger, whoever's talking to us. But the second reason it's a problem is that we talk ourselves out of sharing the message when we do that. Because we see someone who's gifted, and we say, well, I can't do that. I can't do it as well as that man or that woman can do it. And because I can't do it like they can do it, I'm not going to do it at all. I'm just not that gifted. I don't have that ability. That's not my calling. That's not my, and in our day and time, we say that's not my profession. We have professionalized the ministry to such a point that we don't understand that in the eyes of God, we are all ministers. We are all called. We are all gifted. And we all have a mission that we are sent to accomplish. And so when we emphasize the messenger of the message, we convince ourselves that I can't do that. I can't share this message. I can't do what that person can do. So I want to focus this morning on what is the messenger's task? What is the task of a messenger that is sent by God, and I just want to focus on three aspects of it. By the way, before I go further, I want to mention to you that after the message, after the offering, after the invitation, after the announcements, at the very end, we're going to have a business meeting. Now, I know you're all shivering with excitement, but I also want you to know that after the announcements, if you're a guest with us today, if, if you're a member of the church and you need to go, I'm going to let you go. And you're going to get out awesomely early. But you're also going to get out early if you stay because this is a routine business meeting. And we're just going to listen to a couple of reports and then we're done. And, um, and so I want to encourage you that, um, that that's coming. Now, why are we doing that this morning when we normally do our quarterly business meetings at night? Well, just before um, I went... And uh, I was teaching a couple weeks ago at a school in South Carolina. And just before we went on that trip, I got a phone call from Pastor Roy Nelms at Union Valley Missionary Baptist Church. Now, you'll remember that those brothers and sisters, their building experienced a fire back in December. How many of y'all remember that? Good. If that was a business meeting, the vote, that was a good one. You all remember that. And, and that happened on a Saturday night. And because it happened on a Saturday night, they needed a place to meet. And so God opened up the opportunity for us to invite them to come and worship with us on the following Sunday morning, and they did. 
and they came and they participated in our worship and they so appreciated what you did for them and welcoming them and making them part feel at home in the on a weekend where they were facing a mountain and so they last Sunday they were able to meet in their building it had been repaired uh, they had rebuilt and they were able to meet in their building last Sunday for the very first time so today is only the second Sunday that they will have met in their repaired building they invited us to come and join with them in a service late this afternoon at four o'clock they have asked your pastor to preach and our some of our folks to sing and you are all invited to come four o'clock this afternoon Union Valley Missionary Baptist Church we're gonna have church hey we're gonna have church and um, and once again we uh, we have an opportunity to worship with our brothers and sisters and so I want to invite you to come and be a part of that well we want to focus this morning on what is the task of a messenger that's sent by God if you're a Christian today this is you this is the Apostle Paul through the letter of 1 Corinthians speaking to you and me what is the task of a messenger sent by God number one to deliver a message to deliver a message that's our task and uh, lest I um, skip the scripture the focus in verse 17 he says for Christ did not send me to baptize but to preach the gospel delivering a message and that's our word there send remember whenever God gets ready to do something God wants to obviously he wants everyone to hear the gospel and so when he gets ready for somebody to hear the gospel he sends somebody to share that gospel with them and um, and so we are all sent now we should know this already and um, and you can probably quote it from memory and so can I but I want to read something for you that should be familiar to you but let me read it again and Jesus came and spoke to them saying all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Now, I believe the mistake you and I have made as a church in North America, this is not necessarily true of churches elsewhere, but that's true in North America, is that we read that great commission, that great sending statement to go and make disciples. And we have said that is for people who are going overseas, or that is for people who are ordained, or that is for some special class of Christian, but that is not for me. You could not be more wrong if that is your view. When he said go, he said if he was translating it into the kind of English that we speak in the Arkansas Delta, he would say, y'all go. And y'all make disciples. It's second person plural. He's addressing it to a group, not just to the 12, not just to 120. He was addressing it to every Christian who would ever exist, who would ever live. And that is our assignment. And so we get uptight about that because we don't understand what he's telling us to do. He's calling us to make disciples. Well, a disciple is not someone who follows me. A disciple is someone who follows Jesus. 
And Paul's telling us back in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17, that the first step in making a disciple is someone has to speak to them the message. Someone has to deliver the message. It starts with a message. And so if I was going to make a picture out of it, I, would, I, would, I have an envelope here, and it says what on it? Message. And so you and I carry a message. And it's not about me. It's not about how good I am or gifted I am. My, my task is to take this message and deliver it. Hey, I got something for you. And to deliver that message to someone else. Now, what's really significant about that is when he says, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. The words preach the gospel are actually one word when Paul wrote it down. And it's a verb, and it's euangelo, that's the Greek word, euangelo. And if, you were gonna, if I transliterated it into English, it almost looks like the word evangelize, and you would be right. And it's, and it's two Greek words put together. One is to message or to announce something, and the you part means good, something that's good. And so if I was going to put it in, in raw English, He's saying, God did not send me to baptize, but to good message people. To good message people. Now, we don't have any trouble good messaging people when our football team wins. We good message the losers. We good message the winners. We good message everybody. And he's saying, look, God didn't send me to baptize. The, this, becomes, this becomes the primary measurement of whether or not I understand what church is about. Is that I get to good message people. Now, there are a lot of things we say to people, I'm not sure they're good messages, do you? I mean, I'm not sure that we good message people all the time. We, we maybe, we bad message some things. We... we we get uptight, we're, we become critical, we become down, we talk about how bad our life is, we talk about, and we're not giving out good messages. But he says, God has sent you to good message people. What a privilege. I mean, if I have good news, I don't mind sharing good news with people, do you? We don't, we don't have any trouble with that. Our problem is we don't know how good it is. Some of us need to spend a little bit more time with the message ourselves. Because if I understand this message for myself, well, it's not so hard to share it then. The good message people. I love that. And that's what he said for you and me. So after the loving the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, that's the greatest commandment, right? It's to love your neighbor as yourself. And the leading measurement of being sent in the New Testament the leading measurement of being sent in the New Testament is not by how many people tell me how good I am, but how many people I'm telling how good Jesus is. Paul is saying to the church in Corinth, he's saying to them, you are in a spiritually defeated condition because you have failed to understand why you exist. It's not about listening to good preachers. It's not about listening to good messages in an environment that I prefer. It's all about 
delivering a message and then maintaining a heart that pleases God. Not an environment that pleases me, but a heart that pleases God. Delivering a message. And that's our first and primary task. The second aspect of this task that I see in the scripture that Paul's sharing here, for Christ did not send me to baptize but to preach the gospel. Secondly, to share it simply, clearly, and faithfully. To share it simply, clearly, and faithfully. Look at the rest of verse 17. To preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. I don't know if you realize it or not, but that, is a, that should be a huge relief to you. It is to me. Because I don't have to use big words. I don't have to impress you with my speaking ability. I don't have to have a, a perfectly formed attention-getting introduction. I don't need to tell powerful stories. I don't need to make sure all my points rhyme. And I don't need to trash talk anybody. I don't need to romp and stomp. I don't need to, to do all of those things that sometimes I think we think we have to do in order to deliver the message. This is a call to share it simply, clearly, and faithfully. In fact, in chapter 2, Paul says when he came to them the first time, listen to what he says, chapter 2, verse 3. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words. Weakness and fear and trembling. Now, for some of you, if I were to say right now to come up here and, and just talk to us for two minutes about Jesus, you would be up here in weakness and fear and much trembling. Amen? You would. But now, if you've done this for 40 years, you might not feel that way. I can honestly tell you, as your pastor, I can honestly say, and um, uh, my oldest daughter rides with me to church most Sundays, and, and I find myself, I come out of the study, I've been thinking, I've been reflecting, I've been praying, but I find myself going, all right, let's do this. Why? Because I got butterflies. There's a lot of you. There's just me up here. And if I focus on that, boy, I feel weakness and fear and much trembling. And it gets worse. I'll explain that in just a moment. It doesn't get better. But you know what? It doesn't depend on how good you are as a communicator. It really doesn't do that. He says, if you make this about the wisdom of words, that's what he's saying in verse 17, if you make it about the wisdom of words, he says, what you do is that the cross of Christ becomes of no effect. Literally means whatever the cross of Christ was able to do, whatever that message of the cross was able to do, you just took it, took the lid off of it, and poured all the power out, and you, you offered an empty cross when you make it about you and depending on you. Later on in chapter 4, verse 1, the Apostle Paul says, 1 Corinthians 4, 1, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Stewards, a caretaker. And so what he's saying is this. My, my task as a preacher, Paul says, is not to come to you and impress you like Apollos does because Apollos has been trained in classical Greek-speaking rhetoric, and he can speak with, with great um, 
impression. He just leaves a great impression on people when he speaks. He says, I don't speak that way. Now, Paul was no slacker. You've got to understand, he wrote some amazing things. But apparently as a speaker, he, he was kind of more like you and me. Just pretty, pretty ordinary. And he says, here's what you need to do. When you think of Apollos, when you think of Cephas, when you think of all the other preachers, you just need to think of them as servants of God. They're just servants of God and stewards or caretakers of the mysteries of God or the gospel. And so my task, if I, if I go back to this illustration of delivering a message, is I need to understand that if I try to put anything else inside the, the packet, if I try to dress it up, if I try to fix it up, if I try too hard to, to make it palatable or make it valuable to you, if I, if I do any of those kinds of things, I may as well rip it open, empty it out, and just hand them an empty package. You take the cross and you render it null and void. If you walk away from a message, you're more impressed with the messenger than the message. And that may or may not be that individual's fault, but if you walk away, you have missed the point of the exercise. It was about the message, what God was saying. And so, and so that message, then, my goal is not to mess it up. Just present it simply. Jesus died for you because of your sin. And your sin is separating you from God. And he died for you because of your sin. And he rose from the grave that showed that your sins could be forgiven. And if you'll put your trust in Jesus Christ, your life can be changed forever. And you know what? God can take that simple message. And with the Holy Spirit's power, he can plant that deep in a person's heart. And change their life for all eternity. Now as you share, yes, we should be reliant. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Yes, we should be dependent. But the problem that, that, that occurs in that particular situation is that if I'm not sharing the gospel simply, if I'm not sharing the message clearly, if I'm not sharing that message faithfully, if I don't look at myself as a caretaker of God's message, and just my desire is just to get the message over, then I am hurting the message. And, and dear one, that should take the pressure off of you. If God sends you to talk to a family member, if God sends you to talk to a co-worker, if God sends you to go talk to someone across the street, if God sends you, your, your assignment is to deliver the message. It's not to be Billy Graham Jr. It's just to be who you are under the propulsion or the impulse of the Holy Spirit doing what God's told you to do, a servant, who, who is a steward of a message and says, look, i got to share this with you. Share it simply, clearly, and faithfully. You know, the Lord really began to deal with me a couple years ago on this. I, I have, this verse, this passage was one that God spoke to me in the late 1980s, a long time ago, and impressed it deeply on my heart. It encouraged me. But, but I find that when God teaches you and I something, he often takes us to another level with it, and then another level with it, and then another level with it. We don't ever get free of those lessons. And about two years ago, I was asked to speak at a sister church in the Delta for a series of meetings. And, um, and in that kind of environment, um, you know, typically I would go with some notes. And as I've done here, I would, I would think about the notes and then, Lord, how do you want to burn this message in? I would have visuals. 
and I would have PowerPoint, and I would have fill-in-the-blank handouts, and would have all those things. And God was dealing with my heart at that point about some things, about what I was relying on. There's nothing wrong with those things. They can have great educational benefit and value, but, but what are you relying on, Pusick? What are you relying on? What are you trusting here? And so I had some things ready, and I was driving down about an hour and a half away. I was driving to the sister church, and on the way there, clearer, clear, it's happened before. And I, I can't say that I enjoy it when it happens, but the Lord said, you don't need that stuff. In fact, those notes that you have, you're not going to use those notes tonight. And there are just times when the Lord is doing that with me. This is just my journey. This is what God's doing with me. And said, Don, you can't trust those things. In fact, Don, if you'll remember the messages that you remember, the points that you remember, the things that God has spoken to you through other preachers and other ministers and other teachers, those things that you recall to this day, years after they were spoken. In fact, the people that said them can't even remember what they said. But you remember what they said was not because of that person, not because of their ability, not because of their talent, but because my Holy Spirit took that truth and drilled it into your heart. And that's the best aid for retention that I know. Last Sunday morning, well, three weeks ago, I, I didn't share it, but, but on Saturday afternoon, I was finishing up. I'd been studying all week. I finished up the message that I was going to preach. It was called Sink or Sin. How many of y'all remember that? Sink or Sin. There was a nice little picture up there. That's all I had left of the sermon after my hard drive crashed. My laptop died. Uh, it didn't even have time to send it to, to the media people so that they had the PowerPoint. All of it was gone. And because of what God's been doing in my heart the last couple of years, I just pushed that dying laptop back away and I just smiled and I said, that's just like you, Lord. It's just like you. So I went on to bed. Just forget it. You know, things you can fight, things you can't fight. You can't fight God. I got up the next morning. I took out a piece of paper. I began trying to recall that sermon. <laughs> Let's see, I think I was going to say this, and I was going to do this, and I wrote this down, and I, I, got it, I got something down there that was usable. I really did. I wrote it down on a piece of paper with a pen. We're talking analog here. And as I got done, I looked at that, and I, I started reading through those notes, and the Lord said, you don't need that. I said, really, Lord? He said, you don't need that. And so I left it at home. I came here, just my Bible. Same thing happened last Sunday. This Sunday, he let me bring some notes. There's not much. But dear one, when you and I go to talk to someone, when we go to share with someone, it's, you don't need to think in terms of a preaching event. You need to think in terms of good newsizing people, good messaging people. And you need to know that when you go, though, he promises, I am all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Remember when he said that before he said, go and make disciples? All authority has been given to me. And then he says, at the end of that, he says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. When you go, you don't go alone. You don't go by yourself. And the Holy Spirit in you, he's going to prompt you. And, and you, you, do, you do get better at this as you walk with God. You do. It's something you grow. It is cultivated. You learn to listen. You begin to recognize God's voice more and more. But when God prompts you, when God leads you, when God says, dear one, I want you to go talk to this person, would you do it? Just do it. 
Say, yes, God. And he wants you out there on the edge of the limb. Not because he likes making you feel miserable, but because sometimes you and I are holding on to our abilities, we're holding on to safe places, we're holding on to safe things that we understand and that we can control, and it hurts when he peels our fingers off of those things. We let go and we say, oh God, if you don't take care of me, I am sunk. I am sunk. Share it simply, clearly, and faithfully in the And why do we need to share it simply, clearly, and faithfully? Because of number three, last thing, to rely on his power and authority. The task of the messenger is to deliver a message, to share it simply, clearly, and faithfully, and to rely on his power and his authority. In verse 18, he says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. That message is power. This message divides all of humanity into two different groups. Now, in ancient times, there were all kinds of divisions. Uh, Half the population of the Roman Empire were slaves, so you had slave people and free people. You had people who spoke Greek, and they were educated, and you had people who couldn't speak Greek, and they weren't part of Greek culture. They were called barbarians. And you were divided. You were either Greek or a barbarian. You had people who were Roman citizens and they had certain rights and privileges and you had people who weren't Roman citizens. And in our day, we have all kinds of divisions, don't we? We have all kinds of divisions. Those people who are like us and those who are not like us. Let's try that again. We have people who are like us and those who are not like us. We have people we like and people we don't like. We have groups. We have groups, and the gospel divides us into two groups. And dear one, I don't know what group you're a part of now, what group you think it's really important for you to be a part of, but a million years from now, there's only two groups that are going to matter. Whether you were part of the perishing group or part of the group that was being saved. Those are the only groups that matter. And dear one, It doesn't matter whether you're American or Chinese, Republican or Democrat, black or white. It doesn't matter. What matters is whether you're saved, part of that group, or part of the perishing group. That's the only kinds of two people there are on the planet. And the gospel, this message, has a way of dividing us. But the thing I really want you to see, and and this should set you free, is that it is not me that possesses power. It is the message of the cross that is the power of God. The message. That's why he says if I try to dress it up, make it something fancy, make it something palatable, make it something that people will like on their own. He said, I'm destroying the message of the cross. I'm emptying it of its power. It is power by itself. Now some people hear it and to them it's foolishness. What a bunch of bunk. Other people hear it and they welcome it and they say, this is a good Message, I have been looking for this my entire life. And it's so simple, a child can respond to it. It is is salvation, the power of God. Salvation to those who believe. He says it this way. He says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. And so my task is not to change someone when I talk to them. 
My task is to deliver the good news. I'm not ultimately responsible for whether they say yes or no to Jesus. I don't need to beat myself up, neither do you, that you've been sharing with someone. Some of you have been sharing with some individuals in your family. You've been sharing with some friends for years and years and years and years. And you tried a lot of different ways. And maybe at times you felt like you were annoying them. And other times you felt like you weren't saying something strong enough. And you've been so critical of yourself. Have I done it right? Have I done it right? Have I done it right? Listen, it is the message that is power. Not you. Not you. And so when you you deliver this, it has the power to take a human heart and transform it for the next hundred billion years and all eternity beyond. The message is power. And dear one, you and I walk around with this message. Some of you understand it. You understand it well enough to tell somebody about it. And you're walking around with all of this power every day. You're hearing people that come to you with problems with their marriage. And you immediately think, well, maybe I need to send them to a counselor. Maybe they do need to see a counselor, but you've got power. Some people you talk to and they say, I've tried and tried to stop doing this particular sin, but I can't stop. I've tried and tried. And and you're sitting on power and you keep thinking of all the ways you could help them, but it never occurs to you just share the gospel. And you keep thinking that you are inadequate to meet the problems in other people's lives. And by yourself, you are inadequate, but you have something that is powerful. It's like carrying dynamite around in your back pocket. And you're walking around with power. And it's just good news. Just a message. But it is the power of God. 